18 minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, yeah, we go straight into our headline segment. And as we said, it's the last week uh, of us broadcasting. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you in January once again. But it's also a perfect opportunity for us to reflect on uh, many of uh, the developments that have unfolded this year. Uh, and we do know, I guess, the sixth administration has uh, certainly declared its fight against corruption. And as we wrap up 2021, we ask ourselves whether or not this fight against corruption is still on track. We also have an opportunity, of course. We've had the Zondo Commission unfolding and uh, many revelations coming out from that particular platform. Uh, you know, uh, do we think it's going to achieve anything? Where are we in terms of some of what we've heard there? And I think as lay people, we just ask ourselves, you know, I mean, uh, with SIU reports, with revelations of Zondo Commission, even with uh, some of the investigations uh, going out publicly, uh, we often ask ourselves, when do we see people being incarcerated, or even before you get there, prosecuted uh, for some of uh, what has been alleged here, or what might at face value appear uh, to have happened? Asanda Washing, political analyst, uh, joins me this evening uh, uh, to uh, talk briefly, I guess, the state of play in our fight against corruption and uh, the state of health of many of our law enforcement institutions. Asanda, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Good evening and thank you for having me. Asanda, let's maybe start off here. I mean, I guess, you know, many administrations, and even this one is no different, have often waxed lyrical about their fight against corruption. Um, and, you know, when you go into any fight, um, you kind of have to have, I guess, any fi the, the firepower that allows you to fight that fight. Uh, you don't go into, you know, a gunfight with a knife or with a pocket knife or anything like that. Um, and I think there's a big question mark around what type of weapons do any administrations have at their disposal to confront and to fight corruption? I think that's a starting point before we even get into uh, who does prosecution, investigation, you know, and all manner of other things. Well, I mean, I think that uh, the, the problem that we have is that we have an institutionally corrupt um, ruling party or governing party. And so when you have an institutionally corrupt governing party, it becomes very difficult to deal with corruption because corruption is endemic in the ways that the political party, you know, um, the political party acts. If you look at, for example, uh, you know, the the fact that the, the, the African National Congress has a company that has shares that does business with government. If you look at, you know, who's building uh, our power station and, and the allegations of uh, you know Chancellor House being one of the one of the companies that are involved there. If you look at uh, the the fact that the ANC right now can't even pay um, the salaries of its own staff, and and if you look at the fact that everybody knows that once you get a position in the ANC, you have to pay a tithe like it's church, and a percentage of your salary has to go to the political party, which then means, as human beings do, people will then find ways outside of the system to replace that money that would be going to the political party. And so, to me, it's not really a matter of thinking about it like, what are the things that need to be done in terms of prosecution? Of course, those are important. But you can prosecute all you want. You can put the correct people in the NPA. You can give them the correct tools. You can hire the best lawyers. But if the governing party that is in power continues to be institutionally corrupt and does not change its institutionally corrupt culture, it's going to be very difficult to get anywhere because are you going to arrest the entire cabinet? Are you going to arrest the entire political party and its leadership? 
or like how how do you even begin the process? Because if you look at where things stand now, for example, you've got President Jacob, former President Jacob Zuma facing all kinds of charges of corruption. You've got allegations against the sitting president, Cyril Ramaphosa. You've got allegations of corruption against David Mabuza, Ace Mahashule, etc., etc. And I can literally list, uh, you know, an allegation of corruption against probably almost every single NEC member, which shows you the, the deep, you know, the deep, the, the, the deep level of inculturation into the culture of the ANC that corruption has become. Now, the biggest question that we can ask ourselves as South Africans is what are the kind of steps that we as South Africans and, and, and the institutions that we have given a mandate to deal with corruption uh, can begin to take? They can start by hiring people who who are competent and are skilled in investigation, are competent and are skilled in prosecution, and speeding up the process of those investigations and the process of those prosecutions, because you've got, for example, the Guptas, who have been, you know, outside of South Africa for many, many years after allegedly, you know, partaking in the literal excavation of this country's GDP without any real consequences and for as long as you have you know a big example of and of of, of a, a family like the guptas who did it and got away with it uh. you're going to struggle to you know to stop others from doing it look definitely i mean i think the other example that comes to mind is one of marcus huster i mean it's quite clear that even when it comes to specialized forms of crime much like what the corporate capture of the state was and even what we often see in the private sector that sometimes I don't think our law enforcement agency is seen as a battery of institutions rather than just one has the capability to, to undertake some of this work. But you raise the issue of skills, Asanda, and I'm quite interested in that because um, in many ways, you know, that's, that's the reason uh, we're here uh, for the exit of one Hermione Crenier, uh, who announced her departure from the investigative directorate of the NPA. Uh, and uh, yeah, many people, I guess, uh, having big question marks around that particular exit of someone so senior and somebody with extensive experience in that particular institution and ostensibly leaving because she felt that there were no quality staff in the institution to be able to undertake and discharge its obligations. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, one of the things that Jacob Zuma did and, and made sure he, he did a good job of, which was to, to dig out and to empty out the NPA, to shut down the Scorpions, and to basically create a big vacuum in prosecutions, because he understood that that was going to be, you know, a big hampering on his on on his own ability to get away with some of the stuff that he had done during his presidency. And so... The government has not yet, to my mind, done enough to fill the NPA with those lost skills or to, at the very least, replace them. I mean, if, if you think about even the ways in which our government to this day has not made a concerted effort to attract people beyond those who just have a matric to the police force so that our investigations in general, whether you're talking corruption or just general crime, get better and uh, are looked at by people who are a little bit more qualified than the matriculants that we currently, you know, keep feeding into the system and then being surprised that South Africa has such a huge crime rate that nobody is able to solve. So you do need a president who's going to be very serious about this and who's going to pump as much money 
humanly possible into this. And I think one of the mistakes that people make is to think that you can just put two, three, four, five people who have the skill and that's going to change everything. You need literally hundreds of staff members with the highest level of skill all working together because one, two, three, four, five people simply just going to get burned out because they are going to be literally running around uh, in circles and, 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 you know, on a hamster wheel that's never ending because there's only so much that one person can do within 24 hours. And there's only so much that one person can do in, a, in, in, in systems that are so bureaucratic and so administration heavy like the government because you don't just wake up and make decisions. There are procurement systems which, you know, uh, this the, 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 this has been one of the things that there are performance mm. systems that make it impossible to hire people to do the sure. jobs that we require to be done in order Asanda. to deliver the services that are needed. Yeah. Asanda, I want us, us to pause here for a second because we've got a, a spot break nearing on us. So let's take the spot break. And when we come back, I want you to unpack, I guess, some of this complexity that we are starting to talk about here. Eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's the headlines here on Metro FM Talk. I'm in conversation with political analyst Asandang Washeng. And uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, the state of play in the fight against corruption. And Asanda, before we went to the break, I guess you are unpacking for us uh, sometimes the complexity of, uh, you know, going out and undertaking work uh, to uh, reskill many of these institutions that have been hollowed out uh, over the last while. Please continue on that score. Asanda? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Sorry. Um, so I was, what I was saying is that, um, you know, to conduct an investigation for a government institution is not as simple as finding investigators and just going out there and getting the information that you need. And I was saying that, you know, some of the things that are coming out is is, is is how, you know, systems like procurement systems do have a direct impact, the inability to be able to hire lawyer quickly, lawyers quickly, the inability to be able to outsource some of the work quickly. These are some of the things that we're seeing as uh, that are being said to be the stumbling box by, you know, various people who are talking about why we're not seeing the kind of actions that we kind of expect. And I think that, you know, part of what Sir Ramaphosa should be doing is setting some very specific 
um, regulations around the work of the NPA and figuring out how to speed up the bureaucracy, the administration, and the things that block the system and result in, in things that should be taking, you know, six weeks, taking six months or even six years sometimes. Because the more um, that, you know, people who are, uh, who, who are accused of corruption are allowed to get away with it, the longer the time, the more money they're making, even if they, they do nothing with that money and it just sits and gathers interest, the more money they're making, which means the higher the chances of being able to hire lawyers who will be able to get them off. And what we need to be doing is seeing, is seeing more concerted effort around SARS, for example, because, you know, you can, you can claim anything you want to claim about the money that you have and how you got it, but if you're not paying taxes on it, that's something the government should be able to chase you on. And same thing with, uh, you know, thinking through how to speed up the process for procuring lawyers, how to build more capacity, and how to, you know, create a system that is professional, that is proficient, and that is speedy, because we need speed, because we are quickly, quickly losing credibility at an international level and we are quickly becoming you know the kind of country that people are not sure that they should invest their money in because they're not sure that the money is going to go where it's supposed to go yeah it's one of those things uh, um you know uh, asanda and i guess i mean if, if there's any silver lining uh, here as many people are suggesting is that there have been some administrative attempts to to try and you know uh, bring people to book i mean we've seen uh, restraint orders uh, being attached to uh, some of the uh, assets, um, in particular of the Gupta family, and uh, I guess some uh, investigations underway, even into very high-ranking uh, folks. I mean, if I think about the corruption case against uh, former ANC MP Vincent Smith. Uh, so, so, yes, we might not have seen many people in orange overalls, but it does seem that, you know, I guess the wheels are trudging, if not slowly, but trudging along. Yeah, but I mean, I think what we're seeing is middle people. So there's a lot of seemingly senior people that are being arrested, but it's not the biggest fish. We haven't seen, uh, you know, we've seen some, some, you know, Harding former MEC, but we haven't seen a, a, a minister being taken down and, and being arrested. And we also haven't seen, you know, these charges stick and people actually landing up in jail. So there's charges, there's a whole big hoo-ha, there's, there's some public, you know, conversations about it, and then it just simply dies. And I guess that's that's the concern. But but Asanda, let's come back to the Zondo Commission, a uh, commission yeah. that went on for a considerable amount of time, and uh, yeah, many revelations that we heard over the course of 2021 from that particular one. Which one stands out for you? But more importantly, many of us are interested in the conveyor belt between all of those revelations, as contained in a report, which we understand the president is still yet to make public, and when we finally see successful prosecutions. Um, and ultimately, I guess, the arrest of some of the people uh, whose uh, horrific tales we've heard at the commission. So I, just, I, I miss it. Can you repeat your question again? No, no. So, so, so I'm saying many of us have a question around what becomes that conveyor belt between the revelations of the Zondo Commission and people effectively mm -hmm. being brought to book and prosecuted. Yeah, I mean, I think th this, is, this is exactly the problem, that if you don't have an NPA that has capacity, an NPA that is professional, an NPA that is efficient and, and nimble enough to be able to make the kind of decisions that need to be made, then you're going to see, you know, a long lag time. I mean, this is what happens in South Africa. We still haven't seen people in jail for, you know, the arms deal, which, which took place many, many years ago, almost years ago. 
and and this is what happens. We we you know we 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 discover corruption. We run a commission. We spend millions of friends on the commission. We all in shock and horror, and then the, thing, the whole thing disappears. Maybe one of people are low level politicians, terrorists, um, and and you know appear in court, but nothing concrete ever happens. You don't see real players being taken down. Precisely because, as I've said, we are dealing with an endemically institutionally corrupt governing party. And until we start dealing with that and talking about that, we're not going to go very far. Because we can only play arrest, arrest, arrest them bingo for so long. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, uh, there's big question marks also around uh, um, what this reveals just about that entire chain. Uh, Asanda. So yes, you you know, I guess the the corruption in the governing party in many ways is a stimulus uh, to uh, much of what we're talking about. Um, but uh, I mean, is the suggestion that actually because the governing party is so corrupt, it, it is effectively in its interest to decapacitate and demobilize many of the institutions that ideally should be bringing that corruption to book? Yes, I mean this is this is exactly the problem that you you can't have strong institutions that will bring people to book when the people in charge of making sure that we have those institutions are constantly facing corruption charges. We saw with uh, you know Tulima Tenzela what an uphill battle she had trying to bring Jacob Zuma and many others to account, and how a lot of those uh, you know court, a lot of those cases just fell to the wayside as soon as. Um, you know, Jacob Zuma and his allies could get away with it. And so we're not going to see much change in the approach to corruption for as long as this institutionally corrupt um, political party is in power. And the last one, Asanda, I mean, 2021, we are in now. Um, if you were to look at 2022, big things on South Africa Inc.'s inbox, insofar as this fight against corruption is concerned, what would those be and what is it that we have to do, in your view, fundamentally differently for really, I guess, this fight against corruption to not only, you know, uh, um, take uh, the small guys, but I guess, um, as the Chinese often say, go for the tigers and the flies. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to start particularly with the PPE, the people who are involved in the PPE scandal. We need to not only have arrests and charges, but have you know, charges at stake. We need to see a lot more people in jail, even middle people, because even the middle people just appear in court. Uh, very few of them have actually ended up sitting in jail and spending years in jail. And that's what we need to start seeing. People need to know that, you know, there is a cost to corruption. And currently, there isn't a cost to corruption. You can be corrupt all you want and dodge and bob and weave for years, um, and nothing is going to happen to you. And so when people know that there's no risk involved, of course, you know, every other person is going to be stealing a million here, 10 million there, and a billion there. Yeah, I guess only time will tell uh, whether or not uh, uh, that will be heeded in any way, Asanda. But uh, we're going to have to leave it here. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much for having me. Asanda Nguasheng is a political analyst joining us this evening for our headline segment. And yeah, you might want to comment on that. Do share with us your voice notes on WhatsApp. 79 is the number. You can reach us on our studio number as well. 89 Let's take this brief break. We take a look, uh, listen to some of those voice notes.